Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we talk with some of the brightest minds working in media today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. If you loved last year's Oscar winner for Best Picture, The Green Book, there's a new podcast you'll want to check out. Driving the Green Book digs even deeper into the history of how African-Americans traveled through the segregated South. It's a production from book publisher Macmillan, whose VP of podcasting, Kathy Doyle, is here to talk not just about this innovative subject, but the state of podcasting in general. Welcome, Kathy. Hey, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. I was so struck by the idea of turning a, an Oscar Best Picture winner uh, into a podcast. I know it's not as simple as that, but explain what this is. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Driving the Green Book, of course, is our forthcoming podcast and ultimately will be a book. The first episode is going to drop on September 14th. It's a project we've been working on for about a year now. And of course, you know, at that time, couldn't have predicted that we'd be launching with the backdrop of everything that's been happening with race relations in our country. But we're so proud of this work. And I think especially proud of how we're being supported and bringing it to life in some really unique ways for a podcast through a very deep collaboration with Apple that I can talk a little bit more about. But first, a little bit about the show. It's hosted by award-winning BBC broadcaster and educator Alvin Hall. Last year, he took a 1,200-mile road trip from Detroit to New Orleans, along the way really recreating a Green Book-inspired journey that will also be the basis of a 2021 book published by our Flatiron imprint. I think, really, listeners will find the series offers things that are quite different from the movie, actually. Really sharp insight and meaningful perspective and really powerful testimony about this historic travel guide, which, as you mentioned, was used by Black Americans to travel safely during segregation. So how does that work, though? Because in other words, here yeah. you are in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, recreating something, not recreating, but revisiting something from so many decades ago. Do you, when you travel that path today, you're still able to tell stories? There are people around the route that can uh, bring this to life all over again? Absolutely. There are, this was a very deeply personal journey for Albin, who grew up in the South and lived through this era. And we found a lot of people along the way. There were experts, there were activists, there were politicians, uh, community members who really remembered what it was like to travel as Black Americans during the height of segregation and could really parallel that to the experiences that Black Americans continue to some extent to still have in this country. In doing so, relatives made themselves human shields. And what they also did was set the stage. They set the stage for the time when the children would be confronted by similar prejudice. Parents knew that they would eventually have to have what's come to be known among Black people as the conversation. Um, And then in terms of how the actual podcast is going to work, one of the very unique things we're doing to really make the story come to life, customers will be able to really listen to Driving the Green Book, of course, for free on Apple Podcasts. But then at the same time, we're going to be building a complimentary experience where they'll actually be able to explore and see the locations that we've documented in the Green Book with a dedicated guide in Apple Maps. So this is um, a brand new feature. To my knowledge, we're the first podcaster to really take advantage of it. We were part of the uh, WWDC introduction of this feature, which will be part of iOS 14 a bit later this year. But we think it's a great way for Apple users in particular to listen and then explore while learning about the Green Book. So we're super excited. So you could literally take a journey with this podcast and with this app and and sort of follow where Alvin goes and, and sort of see with yourself, see for yourself uh, the kinds of things that he's talking about in the podcast, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And we're, 
We're going to be collaborating with them on some other complimentary experiences, too, with books and music. Um, I can't really share details of those experiences yet, but as we get closer, we can talk more about that. But, you know, just suffice it to say that this, we believe, is a very unique um, collaboration with Apple across its ecosystem of services. And, uh, you know, we just think it's a really creative way to elevate this important story about what is really a vital American resource and the powerful legacy that it represents to, to the Black community. So how does this Apple collaboration come to be? Do you, you knock on the front door at Cupertino and say, I've got an interesting <laughs> idea for a podcast. Do you have a map app? How does that work? I can't say enough about how um, wonderful the opportunity was to, to do this collaboration with them. When we first started to talk to them about the podcast, which was probably seven months ago, uh, we originally were talking, of course, with the podcast team. And we had thought there was opportunity for us to get books and music involved. And they were the ones to bring to us, you know, the collaboration with the maps team who unbeknownst to us at the time um, was hard at work on all the incredible features they're going to be introducing with iOS 14. They've got some really cool stuff in addition to the map guides coming out, Um, you know, bicycle path tours, city guides, all kinds of really interesting stuff. And we're, we're part of that with our exclusive map guide for the podcast. Sounds really interesting. And it's just, you know, it's rare that you think about a podcast in terms of an, a, you know, an adjunct experience outside of a podcast. But right. I, I mean, is, do you do you get a sense as you look at the broader podcast world that that's that's kind of a trend? I absolutely think it's a trend. I think, you know, competition has gotten so fierce in the space. And I think technologies are emerging um, distributors, publishers, we're all really trying to find what's going to develop an immersive, interesting experience that is going to keep the listener engaged and really provide, in this case, an educational opportunity to learn about an underreported time in our country's history, in, you know, in unique and creative ways that haven't been done before. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I'm to some degree, I'm even sort of saying to myself, Macmillan is not necessarily a name I would associate with the podcast business. I, w- I would think of you guys more in terms of audiobooks. So I-, I guess a little background here is necessary. You know, Macmillan is uh, running not one, but two podcast networks. How did this even come to be? So it all started with a phone call literally 13 years ago when an editor at Macmillan picked up the phone, had read a short piece in the Wall Street Journal about Mignon Fogarty, who was newly emerging with this brand new format called podcasting and was literally just creating audio tips for her many editing clients. She was a freelance editor uh, supporting clients out in Silicon Valley back in 2006, 2007. And John Sterling picked up the phone and called her. And I think really quickly, they recognized that this could be much more than just a book conversation. Um, Macmillan, of course, has always had an appetite for innovative digital products and saw the opportunity to help build out this platform on this newly emerging thing called podcasting. So we really developed and pioneered the short format podcast back at that time, uh, bringing on, you know, top of their field, highly credentialed subject matter experts in a variety of of subject matter areas like psychology, grammar, nutrition, um, and became a network really before it was even a thing. That's great. I mean, I, I know you can't break out revenues for me, but how material to a company like Macmillan is, is say, podcast ad revenues relative to, say, book sales? 
Yeah, no, I can give you a couple of data points that I think you'll find kind of interesting. Uh, at one point, 80% of the Quick and Dirty Tips hosts, and that's upwards of 12 shows in any given point in time that are weekly, uh, had book deals with us. And the, you know, the shows have really strong sell-through rates, so they are monetized via advertising. And last year alone, we surfaced about 80 authors from our various really powerful imprints around the world on the platform in some way, shape, or form. It's really given us the opportunity to expose Macmillan authors to podcast listeners around the world in, and the sky's the limit. It's our network. So we can, we can surface them in a variety of, I think, really interesting ways. You know, we can drop an audio excerpt from a book. Um, We've done some really interesting takeovers where the regular host has taken a break and we have given control to an author who does a short run series pulling content from a book that's about to release. Um, Obviously we you know, we have our own booking system. We can book these authors as guests on the shows. So there's just some really interesting ways that we leverage the platform on behalf of the greater good of the organization. Got it. I mean, is it possible, you know, that even a company like Macmillan that obviously has been long known for books could, could one day be understood in sort of a more broader multimedia sense, or it's like, no, at the end of the day, it's a book business. I think at its core, it will always be a book business, but I just, I love the support that we get from senior leadership in terms of, you know, using the platform both to promote our authors, but also really to develop at the end of the day, right? It's about developing useful, valuable content for consumers. And this is yet another way to do that in terms of how integrated the formats over time become. We're certainly seeing audiobooks take on some elements of podcasts. Um, Malcolm Gladwell did it with his book. Our Macmillan Audio published Alicia Keys' book a little bit earlier this year, and that had some elements of a podcast. So I think format-wise, we're starting to see a lot of synergy and a lot of coming together. But I think at its core, Macmillan will still continue to be, first and foremost, a book publisher. Okay. And, and speaking of which, getting back to driving the green book, you mentioned that it will become a book after this podcast comes out. So, you know, where, where, which is the cart, which is the horse? Uh, How is the book different than the podcast? I want to understand. Now, I'm so glad you asked that because it does work both ways. Uh, We did a a biography podcast last year called Knowing, and it featured Dave Itzkoff, who's a culture writer at the New York Times, talking about his book, which is a biography of Robin Williams. The book had been out for about 18 months when we launched the series, and we absolutely saw a lift in backlist sales for that title. So, that was a case where the book came before the podcast. In this case, you know, we sent Alvin on this trip. He came back with stories when we all sat around together and listened to them. Um, they, they wrecked us. They inspired us. They were so powerful and so strong that it was actually Alyssa Martino, who was our editor at the time, who went to Flatiron and, and brought Alvin to them and pitched the book. And that's how that happened. It really was a podcast first initiative. Hmm. And, you know, in terms of the future of, of books and, and book deals, you know, do podcasts become, uh, do you think, more often a companion of book deals? or and, and how does this even play into audiobooks? I feel like all of these sort of different formats may be bleeding into each other to some degree. I think that's absolutely right and a very uh, good observation. I think what I try to do is just think about the listener and think about the experience and then let the format dictate, you know, I mean, you could do a podcast on anything, but at the end of the day, it has to be a great podcast that tells a story and communicates in a way that is immersive and engaging. And sometimes that format might be better 
suited or that that content might be better suited to a book or a longer form audiobook. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, I'm going to keep my eye out for similar projects. Let's talk broader though about podcasting in general because you've been in this business in a while. You've you've seen a lot. Uh, and 2020 is an interesting year because going into this year, I think podcasts were like the growth story in media. Along comes a global pandemic. There's certainly been some impact. How do you see kind of what has been sort of the state of podcasts in 2020? Oh, there's never a dull moment in podcasting. That is for sure. There's been so many, even with COVID, there have been so many major deals, you know, as you and I have talked about before that have been struck throughout 2020. It's, it's been um, really interesting to watch. Um, in terms of COVID, initially, we definitely did see, like most publishers, about a 20% drop in downloads, but we're back up to where we were before, which was a little over 3 million downloads a month. Um, on the ad side, we saw a bit of a dip, but we're, again, our sell-through rates are, are strong. Again, uh, some, we've seen some new advertisers entering the space and a pivot for others who are sort of longstanding sponsors in the space who've taken a break. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it feels very strong and like a solid business that I think is going to continue to emerge and grow as, as industry people like Tom Webster continue to predict. Will we make that billion dollars by 2021? We'll have to see. You're talking about the ad revenue projections. Correct. Yes. Not, not Macmillan alone, although that would be very <laughs> impressive. Wouldn't that be? In terms of, let's say COVID had never happened. Do you think that 2020 would have been this huge growth spurt for the podcast business that now we're just sort of lucky that it's, you know, things are sort of back to where they are and we've kind of been robbed of that moment or that moment is still to come? I think that's a really interesting question. I think we are fortunate to have been able to pull through so far COVID in ways that a lot of other businesses have not been able to you know, sustain a level of success that we have all maintained or most of us have maintained and continued some level of growth and continued some level of you know, interesting distribution and content deals and partnerships um, that we're continuing to see on a regular basis. So I think we're, we're quite fortunate. And you mentioned, you know, some pretty big deals that have been playing out in recent months, uh, every, everything from, you know, Sirius coming along and scooping up Stitcher, uh, Spotify, obviously making some some big talent deals to, to bring in some name brands. Uh, how does this all elevate the space? Is it a rising tide lifting all boats? Uh, how do you see it? I like to believe that, that it's a rising tide lifting all boats. I think anything, any of the distributors can do to bring in more listeners to the space is a really good thing. You know, one interesting thing I actually read today on a blog was about sports. And that is to some extent, I think, considered somewhat of an underserved market still at this point. And it was um, an analysis of the fact that Gen Z um, tends to follow individual athletes as opposed to teams. So of course, that's opened up opportunities that I don't think we've seen significantly emerging in past years for athletes to not just start big name podcasts, but to also start to build their own networks. So opportunities that I think maybe a few years ago, we might not have recognized would be important and influential in the space seem to be emerging. Yeah. When you mentioned that, I think to mind uh, the NBA star, uh, JJ Redick, who 
uh, had a deal, had, I think had a number of deals over the years, most recently with The Ringer, and then recently announced he's doing his own network. I mean, is that going to be like sort of the new vanity play for talent, building your own network? It certainly seems that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I look, the point of a network is is it, it's you can sort of elevate the collective whole of those in that network build the audience because the fallacy of podcasts is, Oh, there's such a low barrier to entry. Everyone comes in gets a podcast, but so few can monetize in a significant way. So are we at a place now? It's like, you better be on a network or this thing might as well not as well exist. Um, I think networks bring with them a whole host of value for creators. And I agree with you. It has become incredibly challenging to really develop an audience on one's own without, you know, some sort of backing, but it can be done. And of course it has been done. Um, You know, I just, I really believe in the power of a network just because it has been so successful for us. We spend a lot of time every week thinking about really creative ways we can leverage our network um, for, again, the greater good of Macmillan and its authors and our hosts and do just some really interesting things synergistically to raise the profile of, of podcasters, not even just our own podcasters, all podcasters that we can find ways to, to, to give a platform to. Hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. I hope it does. It does. I mean, it, it's just, it's an interesting time. It's, it's, it's hard to see, you know, where it's all going. Mm-hmm. Uh, another trend that's always uh, struck me that I, I have my doubts about is the notion of podcasts as a subscription product. Is that something you guys are looking into at Macmillan and just what do you think of it in general? So I think for creators, there's certainly a place for it. Uh, Not everyone is fortunate enough to have a publisher funding their efforts. Um, I think back to one of our science fiction tour authors, Lauren Shippen. And I remember when she signed her deal with Luminary, she took a pretty good stance on it that was pretty well received by the industry, which was that, hey, I'm going to use this revenue to fund other projects. Um, And I think that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. We have dabbled a bit in some premium subscription offerings. In particular, our true crime case closed, which is uh, currently on Stitcher Premium in its third season and will be on the free public feed in October. We've had some pretty great success. When it comes to premium, I think it's, it's, um, like I said, it works for some creators. And I think it's important for the creator to find a premium subscription model and opportunity where their content is best served. You know, so if it's comedy, Stitcher Premium is a great fit. you know, Wondery has a premium app. There's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there for creators if they can find the right deal with the right content and the right audience. Got it. True crime, of course, is a genre that I think has really, since the beginning of the mainstreaming of podcasts, has has been successful. I'm curious, though, whether Macmillan's in them or not. What other genres out there do you think people need to understand are are big? Well, I love audio drama. I think it's very difficult to pull off. Production costs are really expensive. You get into issues with you know, SAG and, and having a cast. But I think when done well, it can be a really effective means of, of leveraging the medium. Certainly, we're seeing a lot more you know, news, especially as we near and really in election season, of course. A lot, there's a lot more news uh, and politics shows emerging. Um, I think travel's a little bit underserved. Off the top of my head, that's those are the ones I'm thinking. Well, that's where driving the green book comes in. That's true. Um, and uh, you know, I think from the perspective of here in Hollywood, it's been interesting and certainly not a new trend 
uh, how IP built in podcasts convert over to movies, TV shows, plenty of examples of that. Is that sort of what it needs to be, whether it's for Macmillan or otherwise, or does a podcast have to sort of stand on its own, make its ad revenue or its subscription revenue? Um, Where do you stand on that? I get asked this question a lot. And my standard answer to that is that's not why we are, we in particular Macmillan are in this business. We are in this business to serve readers and listeners around the world with just great content in the podcasting format. Um, Typically too, I will say as a book publisher, we tend not to exploit or even have those rights. But um, I know there are a lot of shops that are, that that is their primary goal to develop content that will then be exploited via IP rights to movie and film deals. And that's great. Uh, It's just not something that we have, traditionally been involved with. Does that, I mean, I know, I understand when you say you're not into this business to do that, but does that mean that you're not looking for these kinds of things? Cause I would imagine a book publisher is, is, is in good position to do just that. Yeah. And we do definitely have someone on the Macmillan team who can, who can advance those deals when it's appropriate. But not exactly the, the point of it. I, I take it. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Elsewhere in podcasts, uh, I mean, as you, uh, you know, discovery is is a subject that fascinates me because it seems to me that, you know, once a month I will come upon a podcast and be like, how did I not already know about this? Uh, this is something that is, you know, in my area of interest and I didn't know it's there. So I would imagine that's either a subject that interests you, frustrates you because you're in the business of getting people to check out what you're producing. Well, I think, you know, you're getting to the heart of sort of audience development is what we call it. And it's become harder and harder. You know, eight, nine years ago, all you had to do was reach out to someone who had a like-minded podcast and you had sort of a a built-in co-marketing arrangement without hardly, you know, asking any questions. But now competition has gotten a lot more fierce. And I think audience development is an art and a strategy and has to be really well thought through for every show that we develop. Um, And it's, it's become, you know... It's, discovery is definitely still one of the remaining challenges. Search tools are getting better with, within the platforms, um, but I think we still have a ways to go in terms of surfacing relevant content. Um, oh, you know, the distributor, the platforms are getting much better at it too. There's been some really interesting developments there with, you know, playlists and, you know, deeper and better categories. Um, and I think we're starting to see distributors do for podcasts what traditionally they have done for music, which is to try and help surface, you know, like-minded content for listeners, which I think is a great thing. So, but we've still got a way to go, a ways to go. And of course, another way you could drive discoveries with your own marketing. Is that something, uh, how, how does marketing work for Macmillan podcasts? Is it just sort of, you know, uh, quid pro quos with other podcasts? Do you have to get offline uh, to reach people as well? How do you, how do you, how do you approach that? So every show we launch has a full-blown marketing and release plan. Uh, We very carefully think through what kinds of swap opportunities we might get with partners and with other podcast publishers. Uh, We typically will reach out, you know, we do a full-blown media campaign. Uh, We do a lot of paid. So, you know, just like anything else. And then, you know, it's not even just about launching a show. Our team looks at every individual episode as its own little launch, right? So we take time to sort of strategize what's covered in this episode, who would be interested in covering it potentially, what kinds of listeners outside our normal audience might be interested in this content, and just really think creatively 
at a time when audience development has become really challenging. Hmm. Uh, in, and in terms of the swaps, I wonder, is that sort of a, uh, a function of podcasting being in its earliest days and, and does podcasting as an industry mature to a place where the notion of these swaps could go away as things get more competitive? Do you worry about that? Um, our team is very judicious about them. We don't ask unless we think it's a perfect fit. We don't accept unless we think it's a perfect fit. You know, people who listen to a lot of podcasts do tend, we do hear from, we do get feedback from listeners and I get feedback in my own family. Well, people who will say to me, you know, that's not why I signed up for that podcast. Why are they pushing that content to me? So I think it's, again, something that just has to be really st- strategically thought through. And it's not something, you know, we'd never take our audience for granted. We would never, you know, abuse the privilege of their ears and their listening time. So I think it's, it's you're right. It's something that is somewhat of a carryover from the longstanding relationships we have with a lot of other networks. It's not like any podcaster can just reach out to another podcaster today and say, hey, I'll drop an episode of yours on mine if, you know, vice versa. It doesn't work that way anymore. But we do still strategically do them from time to time when we think it warrants and we think it's something that really benefits the listener. We also position it appropriately by having the host say, hey, this is something you can skip over if you're not interested, but I loved it and I thought you would love it too. Well, another way that I'm sure you have to get very strategic is advertising and what you allow uh in your podcasts, you know, as a listener these days, I feel like there is an increasing, you know, too much problem. Uh, But then I think there's also this question of you can't just allow any advertiser into every podcast, especially I would think for something like Macmillan, where like authors have to cultivate uh, for their subject matter, a certain sensibility, and you, you can't just throw any ad into any kind of podcast. That is such a good point. You know, on we're really proud of the way we handle ad operations. There's a woman on our team, Michelle Margulis, who knows more about ad operations than I think just about anybody in this business. And I like to think that we really go for sort of the hat trick effect when it comes to sponsorships. We first and foremost protect our hosts. Um, and by that, I mean, we do turn away quite a few sponsors. You know, we had um, a psychic network that wanted to advertise on our Savvy Psychologist show. and That just wasn't a good fit for so many reasons. Um, we also want to delight our listeners. That's really important to us. So we work and strive to work with Midroll, who represents our shows, um, to develop talking points that really are in sync with the tone and the approach of the hosts so they feel genuine and effective and, and work. And then third, of course, we want to drive a great result for the sponsors because the only way we'll know if a DR, direct response campaign, is working is if that sponsor comes back for a second run, a third run. Um, and then, you know, provides brand lift to the brand sponsors. So it's, it's, it is not um, easy. It takes a lot of hard work, um, but it's something that, you know, we take very seriously to your point and absolutely are mindful of the kinds of sponsors we're taking on um, and try to do a great job on all three fronts. Well, um, that's about all the questions I have. Appreciate you walking me through uh, all things Macmillan podcast. Looking forward to seeing the reception for driving the Green Book, uh, which starts on September 14th. Uh, Thanks for your time, Kathy. Thank you so much. It was a great chat. (laughs) 
This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Thank you.